When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Hey, Her Hoop Stats fans, welcome to another episode of Her Hoop Stats Unplugged. As always, you're here with Megan Gower, and happy 12 days to the NCAA basketball season. We're so close. I'm here today with our Her Hoop Stats resident mid-major expert, Jacob Mox. Hey, Jacob, how's it going? Doing really well. How about you? Doing good. Excited to have you on. I think big thing for us to talk about is... Um, the Becky Hammond, our 2021 Becky Hammond Mid-Major Player of the Year board watch list came out this week, and you're super close to that, so a lot to talk about there. I think just for background for everyone, this award started last season, so 2020 was the first year that we did it, um, and Becky Hammond uh, very nicely agreed to be kind of the name of the award, but to the best mid-major player in the country for the season. Uh, so similar to all the award watch lists that we've seen kind of come out this week, we've got our top 20 names for now, at least for that watch list. And correct me if I'm wrong, but players can play their way in and off of that list yeah, all season. That is correct. And it'll be, seems like it might be pretty easy to play your way on or off the list with uh, some teams <laughs> now saying that they're not going to be playing since we released that watch list. So we'll have to yeah. keep an eye on that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I kind of just started off by addressing the elephant in the room, which is that the Ivy League just this afternoon, we're recording on Thursday, so just this afternoon, announced that there will be no winter sports, so that means no men's and no women's basketball in the Ivy League, which is obviously disappointing and a little bit 
as people looking forward to the season a little bit <laughs> scary thinking about is it the first domino to fall or is it just the Ivy League kind of what's going to happen there? Yeah, and the Ivy League, they were the first to pull the plug last season, um, towards the end of last season when stuff really started to ramp up in March. So I'm not as worried as if this was a, a bigger conference who didn't pull the plug the way the Ivy League did so quick. Um, but regardless, it's still not the best sign for uh, chances of this season uh, being played out as currently planned. <clears throat> right, yeah, like, like you said, they were the first to kind of pull it in March when everyone pulled it. But then we kind of saw, I mean, the Ivy League was, I think, the first team to, or the first conference to cancel fall sports as well. And we know some other conferences canceled fall sports, but most of your major conferences are playing football right now. Actually, I think every major conference, every Power Five conference is playing football at this point. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I felt the whole football situation so interesting because it was like the Big Ten and the Pac-12 were like, oh, no, we're not going to play. And then they like saw everyone else playing and they're like, just kidding. Um, so <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think obviously if, anyone, if we've looked at any of the numbers in the last couple of weeks, it does not look good. The situation in the country is not good. So Yeah, and really just the timing of this like most recent resurgence of the coronavirus is, I would say at this point, it's probably more worrying for college football than it is for uh, college basketball because college basketball can push back their season or shorten it at this point and potentially get in once a vaccine is maybe out there in the public and that's getting something under control. But like college football, they're going to be coming like right down in the heat of it um, and probably not have a chance to have any sort of vaccine out there before the national championship and the college, college football playoff. And that is just like a massive, massive uh, uh, source of uh, revenue for the NCAA. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, and not to make this a football podcast. But like, <laughs> I feel like they probably are still just going to go through with it because I feel like. At this rate, they're, to, they're, yeah. they're a little too deep to not do it. But yeah. Yeah. And also, like, there's been issues with college football all along, pretty much, and they seem to be turning a blind eye to quite a bit of things. Yeah. So yeah, I'm true. not convinced that that's going to change in the coming, you know, I mean, what we're college football playoffs are usually like New Year's Eve, it starts right. So, like, yeah, we're only a month and a half out from that. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I think everyone at this point has probably seen the insane video of like people storming the field at the Notre Dame. Uh, yeah. game last week that yep. I was like what is happening in the rest of the country um but mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> we shall see I don't know hopefully I'm gonna just try to be optimistic for now because I don't think us or anyone that listens to us wants to think about the possibility that there's not gonna be a season so yeah. um hopefully it's just the Ivy League and uh, things they'll find a way to play safely I know a lot of these first kind of weekends of games are being played in what resembles about a bubble format so hopefully they'll find ways to use things like that and have a safe season definitely 
All right, so back from our sidebar about the kind of breaking news from the Ivy League, let's talk about the Becky Hammond Award watch list a little bit. I'll give you the floor. Anyone in particular that you're really excited about that you want to highlight here? Yeah, so um, obviously uh, basically any player who was on one of our watch lists last season um, that is a returning player made it. And kind of the, the most notable name out of those is uh, Chelsea Perry out of UT Martin. Um, she was actually one of the finalists, so one of the top five players in the country last year in the mid-major ranks. And so she was, she was a no-brainer to have on this list. Um, she just had an incredibly impressive second half of the season last year. I think throughout like January, she had a stretch of eight straight 20 point games. And I think five of those were 30 point games. So wow. she just like propelled herself into the watch list um, and into our, into our radars um, in January and just kind of stuck around. Didn't quite make it um, as the, as the final winner, but I'm really excited to see what she can do this year in her season, senior season. Um, and yeah, so I mean, we've got a lot of a lot of different conferences represented this year, and a lot of teams. Only two teams had multiple players, and I think that we had fifteen different conferences, if I remember correctly. Um, so we're, there are just so many players from just so many areas in the NCAA, and varying like overall levels of conference play. But all of these players are just really, really great, and. Uh, we're glad that we get to kind of shine a spotlight on them. For sure. I think one thing that jumps out at me looking at this list is, like you said, the range of schools on here. You've got some of your like traditional mid-major powerhouses like South Dakota, Buffalo, um, Missouri State, but then you've also got a lot of smaller schools as well, so smaller, lesser-known conferences, um, so kind of a wide range of players here. Uh Question for you. I should probably know the answer to this, but I'm going to guess our listeners don't either. I see that we've got a couple American athletic conference schools on here. Is that a new addition for this year? Do they qualify as a mid-major now that they don't have UConn? <laughs> yep, that is our that is our exact thinking. Um, we just, it, it's really hard to put like the greatest or the most dominant uh, college team, like maybe in any sport in college, uh, <laughs> And consider their conference mid-majors. We just couldn't have them in the in the consideration last year. But um, yeah, with UConn now in the Big East, we um, decided to classify the AAC as mid-major. Um, and I think they had two players. Yeah, they have uh, Imari Thomas and Mia Davis of Cincinnati and Temple, respectively. And both of them are great, great players. And it's a bummer that we didn't get to see them represented last year from the the dark shadow of UConn hanging over <laughs> For sure. Yeah, that name, um, Mia Davis, dropped out at me kind of immediately from just watching her at Temple last year when they played UConn. Uh, definitely an exciting player. Yeah, uh, Davis was great last year. Um, she was one of, I want to say, seven players who averaged a double-double that made this watch list at, like, almost 19 points per game and just over 10 rebounds per game. Um just like an excellent uh, combination of skills, especially going up against UConn and other uh, teams in the AAC last year. Um, Yeah, she, I mean, that, there are a few players that are, that are average, that average double doubles on this list, but no one 
did it quite so like clearly um, uh, with 18.8 points per game, just like true, truly like amazing to be able to do to rebound and score at such a high level, um, given the competition. Yeah, for sure. Because even if you remove UConn, you still have both the kind of the Florida schools at the top of the AAC that have been pretty strong teams the last couple of years. I mean, South Florida has been ranked at from time to time tournament type team and even UCF in the most recent seasons has been a pretty tough team as well. So it's, you still have some tough opponents in that conference. Yeah. Yeah. And then going back to Amari Thomas, um, she averaged, she also averaged over 18 points a game, fewer rebounds, but more, more, more assists, more steals and 1.1 blocks per game. Um, you don't usually see like that high of numbers for assists and blocks and points. Like usually you're going to see like two of three or maybe one of three, but yeah. And she she will have a lot of opportunity this year because uh, Cincinnati lost like two thirds of their scoring coming into this year. So there will be plenty of uh, shots for her to get up this year. So she could be pushing 20 points this season. For sure. And I feel like both of those players are so interesting now, too, because the top of the American is obviously way more wide open than it was before. So they kind of have a chance to, you know, if they step up their games to a certain level, be competing for either a conference title or, you know, a conference tournament title to send them send them to the NCAA tournament this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other thing that's kind of worth noting on this list here is that you've got four uh, players on the watch list from the MAC, which I believe is the most of any conference on this list so far, at least. Yeah, so the MAC, they had uh, four players. Um, all of them made appearances on the watch list last season, actually. And, it, and it, that is the most that any conference has. Um, the Mountain West and the West Coast Conference both had three, but no one else had four. Um, and also part of that is Ohio, who is one of two schools who has two players. Um, so there's a lot of depth and a lot of star power in the MAC that I think that uh, not all of them are getting the getting the shine that they deserve. Um, Daisha Fair of Buffalo and Michaela Kelly um, kind of battled it out as uh, as in like the the conference player of the year race last season and Daisha Fair did that as a, as a freshman which is truly incredible um she averaged 22 points a game which is i think i think it's third among returning players um behind behind uh uh Chelsea Perry and Ryan Howard i think was number 1 overall among returning players um and i'm sure that we'll talk about her later or we might talk about her later if we have time and the uh all-american release but but yeah i think that the i would be incredibly shocked if the map doesn't place at least one in our uh in our five uh player watch list of finalists in uh early march they might even get they might even place two the way it's looking uh there's a chance that they can place two i think yeah, that's definitely impressive. Kind of jumping ahead here, but to just like the overall mid-major landscape. But I think kind of last year, especially, we probably would have said like the MVC was probably like the mid-major conference to watch. Would you say that maybe this year it's the MAC? 
just based on you know, those four players making this list? Yeah, um, I think that definitely in terms of like the star power and the the single game performances that we're going to see out of that conference, like we're going to see 40 point games. We might see 50 point games. We're going to see probably a couple of triple levels out of the Mac. Um, I think that Michaela Kelly um, had two or three triple levels last year and only Sabrina Ionescu had more. Um, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of really exciting players there, but personally my pick for the most like intriguing conference this year is actually the West coast conference. And I know that Gonzaga was, they finished last year as the number one or two, depending on where you want to put South Dakota um, mid-major team in the country. And they were, and Gonzaga, as opposed to South Dakota, who does not return Gary Duffy, who was last year's winner of this award, Gonzaga returns Jill Townsend, the reigning WCC player of the year. They're going to be very good. And yet, I think that what we saw in the West Coast Conference uh, tournament last year, I think that the gap isn't as big as people seem to realize between Gonzaga and Portland and BYU's in there and St. Mary's could surprise people. Um, Valerie Higgins of, uh, of Pacific is also on this watch list. Um, there's a lot of talent there that I think is really overlooked. I think that um, Gonzaga is just, Gonzaga is really great. They're just a really well-rounded team and Jill Townsend is obviously at the front of that, but I think there's, there is other talent in there that deserves a little bit more, uh, a little bit more recognition. For sure. And yeah, Gonzaga was you know, ranked in the preseason poll 21st. And I think a lot of times we don't see a ton of mid-majors represented in the preseason poll, especially because I think they just don't get as much attention. So when you put out that preseason poll, I feel like they don't always fall in there and the more they move into it because they are that good, but other teams start to lose the big names that people just kind of throw in there or, not, I shouldn't say throw in there because there's a lot of research that go into it, but like that feel like they get a little bit more favoritism and those preseason polls will start to fall down as they lose games and make room for those mid-major programs that definitely deserve to be recognized as the top kind of 25 teams in the country. But I thought we see Gonzaga, which you were just talking about with the West Coast Conference, and then also Missouri State at 24th and South Dakota not far off the list either with 21 votes. Yeah, and I think... and. Princeton, I believe, also received votes, um, although they won't be playing, of course. But, yeah, just a lot of uh, great mid-major talent kind of right now hanging around the bottom end of the polls. Um, and I think that they should be – there are a couple that probably should be ranked a little bit higher. Um, so you mentioned, actually, South Dakota. So I mentioned previously that Kira Duffy was the 2020 winner of this award. And so she graduates, she's not with the team anymore. And you got to think like, Oh, the best major player in the country is gone. Like they couldn't possibly like rebound from that. And it turns out that playing behind her all last year, they had one of the most valuable players on a permanent basis in the entire country in Hannah Sirpin. Her, um, her wind chairs per 40 minutes was 0.59 among qualified players. Um, I think that I said it at like 20 games played or something like that. Among players with 25 or more games played last season. The only player that was even close to that on a permanent basis was Serena Ionescu at 0.55. 
So that means that 04 <laughs> wins every minute played that Sirvan earned above, like just indisputably the best player in college basketball last season. Um, so if she can get her minutes up um, and play closer to 30 minutes instead of the uh, kind of mid-20s that she was playing last year, I think that Sirvan could really lead um, South Dakota to a much stronger finish than I think people are even estimating right now and they're already receiving votes. So, Yeah, definitely feels like, I mean, that's just an incredible stat, right? Like to be as, and Sabrina led the country in wind chairs last year too, obviously played a lot of minutes, but she led the country in wind chairs and was one of the most efficient um, in wind chairs for for the season. So extremely impressive and then yeah add that some minutes uh south dakota is always a stacked i feel like major team so there's going to be other good pieces around her too it's not like she's got to carry the team entirely by herself um they could be moving up that pole very quickly i think yeah definitely um yeah i mean i was i was just shocked when i realized uh how high her wind chairs per minutes were um or per 40 minutes like that is a truly like shocking stat because I don't I think that just being in the shadow of Jeffy last season like people didn't talk about her and there will be a lot of minutes on the table this year and if yeah like I said if she can get it up to 25 30 minutes per game up from 20 this last season um she could definitely make her way into that top five um she has she definitely has the potential too for sure. And for everyone listening, just a quick shout out that wind shares are coming to the site soon-ish. We don't have an exact date yet, but yeah. we're working on improvements for the site for the NCAA season. So be on the lookout for those. Um, obviously, information that, at least as far as I know, is not available anywhere else for yeah. women's college basketball. So super yeah. exciting that that'll be coming. It is not. I had to uh, I had to find them myself in our, uh, in our database before it gets... Uh, before it gets uh, fully released to the public with all however many years, I think four or five years of history that we'll have. Um, I had to go in there and grab them myself. So, <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking forward to it because I've done, looked at like the wind shares for the kind of wooden award finalists the last couple of years, and I'm looking forward to not having to calculate them. In a I've seen that spreadsheet. Detailed spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Our listeners probably don't care, but it is quite the spreadsheet because <laughs> the calculation is not an easy one. So it's like a um, step process to get to the to the final number. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to just refreshing the site. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think one more question for you, just in general, the kind of mid-major landscape this year. Any teams that we didn't talk about that you want to highlight? People should keep an eye on. Um, kind of for this year outside of you know I feel like everyone always pays so close attention to the power five teams but there's just so many good teams that don't get that kind of recognition yeah um so I'm a graduate of an MVC school so I'm gonna be a little bit prejudiced here and say (laughs) that I think that Missouri State and also Bradley in the MVC really uh really deserve some some uh looks in Potentially the polls going forward for Bradley. Uh, Missouri State's already in the polls. I think they're in the like 24, 25 range. Um, both of them are just great. Um, 
Bradley's a little bit more under the radar because they haven't been in the polls um, lately, but they had a great season last year and they returned basically everyone. Um, they, were, they returned Leisha Petrie. Um, they also returned Gabby Hack. I think the MVC probably, this is an unofficial stat, but I think the MVC probably led all conferences in players that just didn't quite make it onto this watch list and definitely have the potential to play their way on over the course of the season. So they've got a lot of players. Um, I think that the one player that did make it into uh, our watch list from the NBC was Jasmine Franklin from Missouri State. Um, she's a great, great player. Um, she's just like a defensive just a defensive uh, stalwart for Missouri State. And so she has 8.7 rebounds per game, 1.7 steals, 1 point blocks. And she does that in one of like the most efficient scoring offense. Uh, yeah, the most efficient scoring conferences in the country, like let alone, <laughs> let alone mid majors in the country. Um, there are a lot of great offenses last year that they had to compete with and to still average those numbers. Um, and with a couple, uh, a couple seniors from last season departing from other teams, I think that, I think that Missouri State and I think Bradley can really, can really uh, elevate themselves this season. For sure, and they had a very strong season in the MVC last year, so no surprise to me that they will probably make their way onto the top twenty-five at some point uh, if yeah. they kind of keep up that performance. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see what they do this season. Like you said, they return kind of most of, if not all of the roster from last year. So all their kind of big players coming back, which bodes well for more success this season, especially in the kind of season where you've got some weird off season when players are just used to playing together already. It's definitely a huge benefit coming into the season. So yeah, definitely. That's something I hadn't even thought of is the fact that you have a core that's been together for years. Like, if you have to, if you have to put a hold on practices for a week, if you have like a COVID scare, you're going to be better off than a team that's that's like a bunch of transfers who don't know each other or a bunch of freshmen. So, exactly, yeah, it's actually be something interesting to look into, kind of as the season gets underway and we start to see um, results and stuff. Like, kind of if teams that have more minutes continuity from last year just perform better, or and then you'd have to look at it compared to prior years too. Like do they perform or have more of an advantage than they usually do um, in kind of, because obviously there's just a benefit to having that minutes continuity year over year to begin with. But I think we might see even stronger benefit of that this year. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, so this is a bit of a tangent, but I do want to call attention to one other player that I completely forgot to mention um, that I have just been like wowed by looking at their stats. Uh, And that's uh, Dariana Lewis of Alabama A&M as only a sophomore uh, in the SWAC. She averaged 16.8 points per game, 9.2 rebounds, and 1.7 blocks. She was in the top three and all three of those in in the conference, and she did it as a sophomore. She was also on the first team HBCU All-American list by uh, Box Tarot, and Every other player on that list was a senior. So she is only going to be better. She was one of the, I think there were six players on that list. And she was one of the six best uh, HBCU players in the country. And she was only a sophomore. I think that's truly amazing. Um, I think that she will 
I, I, I don't, I don't gamble on sports, but I would bet money <laughs> that she averages like eighteen and ten this year, and probably adds adds a couple, like a, probably two blocks. If I, if I would uh, have to guess, so I think she, she's a player that definitely deserves more recognition because um, I think that you know you have a lot of HBCU teams in the SWAC and the MEAC that just don't get their due. Um, and I think that it's really important to really just like appreciate how great a lot of those players are. For sure. And I feel like it's so much easier to watch them now too, since like ESPN plus became a thing. A lot of these games are on, like they're not on network television, but they're on ESPN plus ESPN plus is like five bucks a month it's pretty inexpensive yeah. and yeah you can get... I, remember, I remember two years ago watching Shakila Hill I think it would have been her second maybe it was her first um uh one of her two career uh, quadruple doubles which is truly <laughs> incredible that one player had <laughs> had multiple quadruple doubles in their career um and like it was purely because they just have those conference games on on a I think it probably would have been ESPN three back then I don't know if they had ESPN plus years ago but yeah yeah so if you have espn plus if you have disney plus you probably have it because most people have the bundle with hulu which also gives you espn plus so yeah, <laughs> yeah check yeah. out the mid-major games uh-huh. it's a, also a great alternative for when the season starts to watch things for like five dollars a month instead of like the 30 dollars a month flow sports is gonna want for you to watch the Thanks for the tournaments. Yeah. I'm not bitter yeah. at all. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I, I highly recommend just, uh, just game surfing on like Monday and, and Friday nights and Saturday nights. Just pick a game and watch it. Um, kind of bounce around the games in the fourth quarter. You'll never know like what kind of great games you'll see. Um, one of my, one of the most like exhilarating TV watching performances that I can remember was I just happened to be watching a Bradley versus uh, Indiana State, just like a seemingly meaningless uh, uh, game in the Valley that wasn't didn't really have like conference tournament implications or anything. And uh, Leisha Petrie, who I mentioned previously, uh, went on a run, I think of, I want to say 10 points in, well, it was 10 points over like two minutes, but nine of them or eight of them were over the course of like, like 15 seconds so we oh just furious comeback it was it was like reggie miller but like to a heightened level and it, like you you don't get to see that unless you happen to be watching that game live and i, I don't think there's a better testament to just just game surfing at nights so for sure there's all often i think a, a lot more interesting games going on in the mid-major conferences than there is when it's like you know the top of one power five conference playing the bottom of their conference so lots of interesting stuff going on there I feel like one thing we're gonna miss this season is because there's less non-conference games I all of my favorite is like watching these like you know bigger mid-major schools that get more attention so like your South Dakotas your Missouri States playing the top programs in the country in non-conference play because they often give them a run for their money and it's so much fun to watch (laughs) there was I think uh I think Calvin uh one of our writers wrote a story about uh it was like a it was a story about scheduling and he had a quote from Kelly Graves about how they made the mistake of scheduling a home and home with South Dakota State. <laughs> like we will never play we will never play at South Dakota State again for as long as I live. Like we're not gonna <laughs> like that environment. Like 
that was we totally underestimated them. That's our fault. <laughs> yeah, and exactly that was the game I was thinking about when I was like at first thinking about making that point. Like that game was insane. Yeah. They played at South Dakota State. It was close down to the wire. You've got your one of your top programs in the country, and then obviously great for South Dakota. So, um, yeah, keeps it interesting for sure. Yeah, and I think there's a there's like a crowd aspect to it. I was well, watching that. Uh, there's a video from, I think it was from the Players' Tribune about Elena Deladon and her decision to kind of drop out of UConn and go back to Delaware and play at U-Delaware. And uh, it was back when, uh, so they were, they were a six seed and they were hosting, they were hosting a second round game, which I, I don't remember. I don't remember like that it was like that back then. I didn't follow uh, college too much back then, but that Delaware crowd and what basically looked like a like a souped up high school gym just going nuts as they knocked out <laughs> North Carolina like that's gives you goosebumps. Yeah, for sure. I feel like there's nothing but we're not going to see it this year, unfortunately. But there's nothing better yeah. than like a really intense home crowd. Um, yeah, especially when it's an upset like that. Nothing better. Yeah, exactly. Just watch people go wild. It's so much fun when you can. It's like so good that you can like kind of feel the energy through the tv i love that so much we're gonna miss that this season i'm sure but i think i think what this year is gonna open up though is the possibility of a mid-major going in knocking off a ranked team and but it being at the home site of the or i mean really anywhere that doesn't have fans because i really don't think it would be smart to have fans at all this season and so really anywhere where there's no fans and <laughs> I think that the, the TV audio picking up the, the the coach or the bench of the players that are getting upset could uh, lead to some pretty pretty fun moments. Oh yeah, I'm so looking forward to being able to hear the coaches. <laughs> That's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, so I feel like there's a handful of coaches that you can hear anyway when the arena's loud. So you're probably gonna be able to hear like every word they say with the new setup. So that'll be a yeah. fun kind of part of the way we'll watch this year. I don't want to. I don't want to like name names, but uh, back when I was at Drake and I was working, I was inputting for a Drake women's basketball game, and it was some overtime game. Um, and the opponent's head coach was pacing along the sidelines. I think it maybe even went to double overtime, and the, he's just pacing back and forth, pacing back and forth. And every once in a while, he'd just really aggressively slam his fist down on the, the padded <laughs> table right where I was sitting, and I jolt up and like freak out and. Like if you could if you could hear that coming on the coming over the the TV audio, like I think that's an experience that not a lot of people like. You don't get to hear that in a packed uh, in a packed uh, arena that's just getting drowned out. So yeah, and I think we're gonna see yeah. some like uh, networks and stuff just capitalize. I, I know when I was on Big East Media Day, they like were joking, and I'm not really sure that they were actually joking. I think it might actually happen that they're gonna pick one of the like UConn DePaul games and mic up Gino and Doug Bruno for the game and I'm like that's yeah. gonna be incredible television <laughs> so yeah yeah I think they'll find creative ways to just capitalize on the fact that you can hear everything yeah I think that uh I think yeah I mean the the mic'd up WNBA coaches this year uh <laughs> I was one of the fun novelties at the beginning of the season before like the really the competition got really heated um Hearing like Kurt Miller just like pleading, <laughs> pleading with refs and yelling at players and telling them to hustle, and uh, it was it was so great. 
For sure. Yeah. So things to look forward to, even though can't go to games yeah. in person this year. Well, some places you can, I guess, but in most arenas, you can't go And hopefully places that are going that route right now might change their mind on it because like we said at the kind of top of this, things aren't looking so great right now. So adding yeah. fans to the equation doesn't seem like the best approach. Um, yeah. But yeah, anyways, should we spend a few minutes talking about the other major news from this week, which is your, you know, AP poll came out for the preseason AP poll, and we got preseason All-Americans from AP this week, uh, kind of two major news dumps ahead of the season. Um, I think, do you have any, like, big thoughts on the poll off the bat? Um, I didn't really have any, like, strong reactions. I think that kind of saw for the most part people voting on pedigree to a certain extent more than more than like than like the what, what you'd expect to be like their average finish this year given their talent um but overall there wasn't anything terribly shocking to me yeah i would agree with that i feel like like you said, a little bit more on pedigree, but I think that's kind of t- typical in the preseason poll. It just seems to happen yeah. a lot. Um, yeah, like I don't like to be too aggressive about like takes on the poll because I know people that vote in it put a lot of time into it that I have not put into thinking about <laughs> where every team in college basketball could fall. I have a gripe with Notre Dame being in it, but you know what? It is what it is. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the things will shake themselves out anyway. It doesn't really matter until you get a few weeks into the season and you've got a chance to see teams on the court I feel like especially this year if normally you would at least have seen media can see teams and practice and stuff and get a better feel for where things are at and because that hasn't really been an option this year it makes it even more difficult um, to kind of come up with where people stand and where teams stand yeah definitely um yeah so I'm actually yeah looking at it looking at a little bit like more closely um Two schools that stand out to me as kind of significant changes, definitely year over year, are Arkansas and Iowa State, and they're 14 and 15. Mm-hmm. Arkansas, if I'm remembering correctly, they return basically everyone, every every key player. Um, and I think that they, they could be a really exciting team. Um, and Iowa State, um, I think they're really at the will of Ashley Jones, um, just – she, if they're going to maintain that 15 ranking, she's going to have to put up like a Herculean season, I think, personally. Right. And then on your point in Arkansas, a team that was pretty exciting last year, kind of made a splash in the SEC. And now they add, in addition to what they already had, they add Destiny Slocum to that roster. So that's but, right. I forgot about Yeah. That. Yeah. So, yeah, big jump for them there, probably a lot on that uh, transfer. Yeah, so you still have Chelsea Dungy as well. So two really exciting players there um, and a team that was just exciting last year and I expect to be even more exciting this year. Yeah, yeah, and looking through and I don't really see anything else really shocking. Um, Gonzaga, Missouri State, about where I'd expect them to be in the poll. I think that they're both maybe – a little under ranked, but that's just what happens with mid-later teams, you know? So <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I think the only other thing that jumps out at me is like when you look at 
like the top 10 teams. I feel like the top is a little bit more open than it usually is. I think there's a lot of question marks on kind of all of those teams. Um, so it's going to be interesting to kind of see how things shake out after a couple of weeks of play. And as the season goes on as well, I know you look at like Mississippi State will play UConn in that first week. And then UConn yeah. Louisville also play in that first week. So you've got some kind of big top 10 matchups off the bat. And then, of course, I believe the first game of the Pac-12 slate is going to be uh, UCLA and Arizona. So that's going to be a big one. So some big games coming there, which I didn't think just also just seeing these teams playing anyone will just give you an idea of where they're at. Um, I just think all of these teams, what jumps out at me is that there's some really good pieces returning, but there's also some big question marks and it, that top 10, I think could really fall in anyway. And I'll even throw Kentucky in there too, because Ryan Howard is enough of a reason to kind of include them in the, they could make a bit of a jump up there. So. Yeah. I was actually just going to mention that. Um, so I know she had her injury last year. Um, have you heard anything about like how that's progressed? Is is it like an issue? Is it actually limited minutes or? I have not heard anything. So I'm assuming no news is good news. She was named a preseason All-American today. Yep. So I'm suspecting that means that we're expecting her to be on the court. Though right before we started recording this kind of big news out of Kentucky that their head coach just retired today. So their associate Head coach will be um, the interim head coach for now. So I feel like that could trip them up a little bit at the beginning of the season, just having that coaching change happen, you know, less than two weeks from the start of the season at this point. Yeah. And I, I wonder, uh, I wonder like if they had known that maybe that was coming. Um, That's true. It's very possible that the players would have known. Yeah. Cause it, it sounded like he was content to retire. Right. Yeah, yeah. It sounded like um, he had some surgery in the offseason, and it seemed like the right move from the release, at least. So the players may have very well already known this, and it is their associate head coach that's becoming the interim head coach. So it's not like it's a new face off the bat. Um, So that will definitely help ease the transition. Yeah. Um, For sure. And then while we're talking about All-Americans, the rest of the AP All-American team Ari McDonald from Arizona. I don't think any surprises there. Dana Evans from Louisville. Michaela Anyuere from UCLA. And then Aliyah Boston from South Carolina on that list. So I'm really excited to watch Aliyah Boston. Yes. Um, she, her like diversity of talent is truly incredible. Um, so she last year, so this is one of my favorite stats from last year. She recorded a triple double in her first ever game, making her the only college player, I think maybe men's or women's, to ever do that. Which, and and she did it with blocks, which is like the most bonkers part of that. So she, she's a special talent. She's a generational talent. Yeah, she's going to be really exciting to watch this year. Excited to see kind of what she does in her sophomore year and also a huge part are part of South Carolina going forward here because they lose Ty Harris and Micaiah Herbert Harrigan to the WNBA draft. So got some big holes to fill there. And the, the level that she can – I mean, she was already an All-American last season. She can step up that production. This season it's going to be a big help for them kind of figuring out how to fill the rest of those holes as the season starts. Yeah, so I'm, I have the, uh, the ESPN release about the uh, – about the All-Americans and the 
Kind of what Boston is that after averaging 12.5 points and 9.5 rebounds last season, she spent a lot of her time in the, during the pandemic working on her shot, which should be like, that should be giving SEC teams nightmares. Because <laughs> yep. if you add like a better shot to someone who averaged 12.5 points, and that is, that's just like an unstoppable combination. Exactly. And she didn't play that many minutes last year, too, because she would get in foul dribble and freshman yeah. big problems. Like, if she's got that figured out, which most, you know, it's usually kind of an isolated thing with freshman bigs, it takes them a little bit to get used to it and to, you know, not get into foul trouble. So if she works that out this season, then there's a lot more time for her to be scoring points and grabbing rebounds. So her numbers are yeah. going to be insane. Yeah, I mean, I think that, so, like, Boston could can play bully ball against most players in the NCAA, but I think it's a little bit harder when you are trying to play bully ball against against uh, college student athletes versus high schoolers. <laughs> so I think yeah, I think that, that that jump is a little bit difficult to get used to the the officiating. Um, so yeah, I think I, I have a friend at Iowa State and South Carolina is going to be playing them in middle of <laughs> December, and I said so. He he's a he's a student journalist, and I told him you need to get a credential like this is <laughs> this is maybe the best player that's walked through uh iowa state since like Brittany griner or someone like that like <laughs> just truly truly special yeah for sure um definitely well most people are not going to be watching anyone in purpose but be a player to be tuning into on tv <laughs> yeah. this season hopefully we'll get to watch some games in person i've got my fingers crossed on that but yeah, yeah someone to tune into um and then I think the other one that jumps out at me here is Michaela Onionwari. I feel like everyone that listens to this podcast knows that I love to talk about UCLA. So yeah. <laughs> no surprise that I'm going to talk about Michaela. Um, but I've been saying this for a couple of years, but I just think such a like dynamic player, uh, a lot of fun to watch. Um, so excited to watch her at UCLA. I feel like a lot of people are talking about the Pac-12, like it's like um, Stanford and Arizona at the top. And I think people are doing a disservice by not including UCLA in there. I don't think that there's any reason that UCLA couldn't be the top team in the Pac-12, too. I think those three teams are all vying for that spot. Um, so I'm excited to watch how that shakes out with her. And then Charisma Osborne, who had a really strong freshman year for them and is back for her sophomore season. Expect big things from her as well this season. Yeah, so my remembering correctly, wasn't uh, UCLA the last undefeated team last season or one of the last? They were one of the last, which I think was more in part to the fact that they did not pay, play a super strong non-conference schedule. Uh, and I think no. they're doing something similar this year. They're mostly playing local teams. But okay. yeah, they were one of the last undefeated. And I like boldly said they were going to win the Pac-12 last year because they didn't have to yeah. play your Giants multiple times. But they did finish second, so it wasn't that far off. Um, yeah. So they did finish second in the Pac-12 last year as well. So yeah, I expect that they're really only big loss from their roster is Dean, who was their point guard. Um, but Dean didn't have the best senior season, so it feels like a little bit less of a hole for them. If they can kind of improve their shooting this year, I think they're going to be very good. Yeah, definitely. And then we didn't hit on two guards on this list yet, but Ari McDonald, of course, we're going to be talking about her a lot this season. I have a feeling out of Arizona. Um, so more Pac-12 basketball. And then Dana Evans and Louisville. I feel like um, I expected for sure that like Ryan Howard, Ari McDonald, Michaela Anuari, and Elia Boston would be on this list. That fifth spot was the one that I was like not quite sure who would be in it. 
I think that Evans makes a lot of sense. Had a really strong junior year for Louisville. We'll need to take an even bigger role there. They lost a handful of players to the WNBA draft last year. So big opportunity for her to step up there. Yeah. Um, and going back to McDonald, like she, I think, was like a day of decision to not declare for the draft or very close to the deadline. So Pac-12 is a very different picture if she does not return. So, Right. Yeah. Someone that kind of made or braid it Arizona's at the top of the Pac-12 this year, but decided to come back. I think I saw it mostly due to like just some uncertainty from the um, pandemic. And then also she was injured somewhat at, towards the end of last season. I think it was minor, so I don't think there's any concerns going into this season with that. But um, a player that like was starting to get, I feel like, some national recognition towards the end of last season, but uh, didn't get as much, I feel like, sometimes Pac-12 players go under the radar just because they're not on national TV as much if they're not like the organs of the you know world or whatever. But yeah, it's on- it's it's tricky when they show up on uh, when they show up on like those uh, kind of I forget what even what the network it would even be called, but those really uh, it, I think it's just like a Pac-12 specific right. and it's streaming only. It's not even like it's not cable. It's not it's not yeah. carried by Fox Sports or anything like that. So difficult to watch some of those games um i believe it was a stanford and stanford and someone played a really great uh, double overtime game last season but it was a struggle to even find it yeah exactly for people that are love the pac-12 like me if you get fubu tv they have pac-12 network so you can get all those games so good to know um so that's what i do but yeah there's so many good games in the pac-12 that i feel like it's an essential but especially on the east coast it's hard to get it and then of course you have the time difference as well so you've got games that are being played till one o'clock in the morning east coast time which most people that you know have a nine-to-five job are probably not staying up for so yeah yeah, so I, I just did some digging. Uh, I was trying to get remember some more details about her, about McDonald's 44-point game, because I, I knew that there were just some tremendous nuggets from that game. <laughs> she, she only shot the ball 18 times, which is oh truly amazing. She was 14 for 14 from the line, 12 of 13 from two, two of five from three, and just decided to throw in five rebounds because apparently 44 points wasn't enough. <laughs> Um, and she did it in 34 minutes, like just across the board, like every, every stat there is just wows me. Um, and only fouled once too. Yeah. I feel like in her, you're very much looking at what could be the number one pick in the next year's WNBA draft. It's a little hard to tell right now. There's a couple handful of players I would say that are in that grouping, but she's definitely one of them. Yeah. All right. I think that's it for today. Thanks Jacob for joining. Yeah. Glad to join. Thanks for listening to today's episode. As always, make sure you rate, like, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Also, heading into the NCAA season, make sure you're subscribed to our newsletter, following us on social media at Her Hoop Stats, and definitely check out the stats site at herhoopstats.com. Lots of NCAA stats up there and a bunch of new features coming soon, so be on the lookout for that launch.
Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.